This is Alicia Newman, co-founder of Maisie and Marley's Purpose. You're listening to Success in Iowa. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Success in Iowa. I'm Todd Studer. Joining us in studio, a brand new Iowan, just here from the state of California. Byron moved here with his family, his wife, uh, Britt, and uh, son, Forrest. And he has a nonprofit called Fostering Jiu-Jitsu, which we're going to learn all about today. But uh, Byron, first off, thank you very much. I'm thrilled. You and I just got connected earlier this week, and uh, we had an opportunity to meet. And uh, the more I learn about your story, the more fascinated I am. Well, thank you for having me here. Uh, I'm really grateful to be here in Iowa and on your show today. And um, hopefully uh, we can learn a lot, not just about, I think... um, you know, coming here from California, I have some things that I've learned being in California that I can add to Council Bluffs. So, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of things that I will learn from people here. So it's it's all about that community. What's your first impression as as you have arrived in the community of Council Bluffs, which, by the way, uh, sits just across the river from Omaha, Nebraska? So it's right on the edge of Iowa. But what is what has been some of your first impressions of the community? Well, I'm a fan of old, uh, older construction. So whenever I see old homes, I don't know what they, they just, they kind of sing to me. So uh, I had an older house in California, and the house I have now is currently a few years older. And uh, I just like being in a 100-year-old house. There's, there's a lot of history there, and you can't... Um, you can't, you, 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 all you can think about is like, wow, what are all the things that have gone on in this place throughout the years? You know, the noises, the, the conversations, the life stuff. And I'm always fascinated by towns like this. We, we travel a lot with our nonprofits, so I'm always in different towns and I get to see a lot of what America's like. And uh, especially with the old buildings, they're, they're fascinating to me. And then coming here, uh, seeing the old churches, um, some of the majesty of the buildings, is it's like, wow, how did they build this so long ago and, and create this wonderful infrastructure, you know, that we get to use now? You left California with the knowing that you were going to come to Iowa. Had you spent much time in Iowa before then? I officially have never been to Iowa before. So your first time coming to Iowa is moving here? Yes. Wow. <laughs> That, that's got s- some bravery, and I had an opportunity to meet your wife, too. I think you guys are great. And, Appreciate it. Uh, she, uh, um, to have the bravery for herself and knowing, look, we're going to walk away from everything that we know in California and come to the central part of the United States. Now, the reason you did that is because you wanted to be more central lo- centrally located for your nonprofit, correct? Yes. I wanted to be in the middle because uh, for fundraising, we traveled, so we make jam, and we we sell our jams uh, at different Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools. So I wanted to be in the center of the country uh, to be able to facilitate selling our jam easier and also reaching out to the different youth that we make donations to. So um, I, I had this idea a few months ago that, hey, I think we need to move. Uh, we need to be in the middle. And I was looking at Iowa pretty much the entire time. And then as our house in California was starting, was was already sold, we were in escrow, um, a friend of ours said uh, from California said that her sister lived in Omaha. And I was like, huh. So I started looking at Omaha. I started looking at Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that area. 
And um, I even did see the name Council Bluffs. It came up like it was, but I just didn't really dig too deep because we were also looking at the middle of Iowa. And we found Council Bluffs and we found a house. We literally left December 5th and we moved into our new house December 27th. That was, that's a quick close. Yes. <laughs> that's that's getting it done very quickly. I went through a house sale last year and it took a whole it took a long time to get that thing done, but you very quickly was able to do that. It was well, it's just uh I'm a firm believer when it's the right thing, things kind of all come together. Um the deal was the right deal for us, you know, financially. Uh well, my main thing was to live uh different than I lived before in California. I like saving money. I like to invest my money into the things that I think are going to be the most um, fruitful for for our family. And coming here, uh, living a a more affordable life was very appealing to me. Plus, at the same time, you know, we can we can invest our in more into our nonprofit and not invest more into gasoline and things that, you know, aren't necessarily I mean, gasoline is great or, you know, it helps us get there. But we, I wanted to be able to really donate more money for our youth program and help kids. You had mentioned uh, before when we had spoken that when you came to Council Bluffs, it was kind of shocking to you that there was not uh, any type of jujitsu facility here. Um, had, had you investigated uh, any farther out? How far do you have to go from here before you find a facility? So um, there's there's uh, a few jujitsu schools in Omaha. And... Um, it's so it's not like too far. I mean, you, you may have to drive 15, 20 minutes. Um, but driving here 15, 20 minutes, uh, you know, I come from California, so a 20 minute drive is like three or four miles. <laughs> so, uh, so a 20 minute drive for us, uh, a true 20 minute drive in California is like an hour. So, uh, I could see how people here are probably a little less, uh, they don't want to commute as much. Because uh, even for me, I started realizing going to some of the schools in Omaha, I was like, it's not far, but, you know, if anything goes wrong with your car or something, you're not super close, but you're not super far. So I, I think uh, it, it just makes me realize more why I need to open a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school in this town to help anybody who would love to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu be here and not, and maybe they can drive five minutes in 10 minutes. That's an easier sell to most people than 20 minutes or 30, you know. What first, uh, why did you first get interested in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? What was it about it that drew you to it? Uh, I was getting divorced and I turned 42 and uh, I felt like I needed a change. I felt like my life was kind of just, I was just existing. And then um, I I had a friend that was training at at a Jiu-Jitsu school uh, Gracie Baja Upland, California, and he invited me to come watch a jiu-jitsu like show they had back in the day because they were going to show it at the school. So I went. Um, I literally went to went to the school, visited them. Then that was on like a Sunday, and then on a Monday, I decided, you know, I'm going to go take a first class. So I took my first class there. I signed up that day, and I told them that my goal is to get my black belt before I turned 50. And at the time, I was 42, and I ended up getting my black belt at the age of 49. Uh, And then a few months later, I turned 50. So 
I, I did exactly what I came in there to do, which was to learn jiu-jitsu. And um, what jiu-jitsu did for me was taught me how to... Um, it taught me that, hey, I think there's more for me in life with jiu-jitsu as far as how to help people, how to work with people, um, how to pick my friends, you know, the right kind of people around me. So I would say my most of my friends trained jiu-jitsu. Um, and so... I, I like that because I can, I'm used to, it's grappling. For those who don't know what jujitsu is, it's grappling. Um, we do submissions, but we also teach self-defense. And uh, it's a big, it's a big deal for youth, uh, especially in California. Um, jujitsu is huge in California and in Texas. And uh, a town like Council Bluffs, I mean, I, I just, I could just see this community benefiting so much, uh, especially the youth here if they started training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's not a common thing, is it, for someone to first get involved with that at the age of 42? Isn't it usually they get in younger? Well, Jiu-Jitsu is kind of a strange thing because, you know, it started in Japan, and then in the early 1900s, the Japanese were traveling to different countries, um, and one of the countries they traveled to was Brazil, and um, I, his name is Maeda. And so, and then Maeda started teaching the Gracie family in, um, in jiu-jitsu. At that time, was it called Brazilian jiu-jitsu? It was just jiu-jitsu, and, uh, which is sort of a hybrid of judo. They're all kind of mixed together. And judo is sort of, um, um, they take out sort of the ground techniques that we do in jiu-jitsu and, and focus morally, uh, mostly on the, on the throws. So, um, yeah, so then jiu-jitsu uh, came to America more or less in the, I would say, in the late 80s, 90s. And then, of course, the UFC started. And I believe that's like around 94 when the first UFC, if I'm not mistaken. And then once the UFC started, we had characters like uh, Hoist Gracie, um, who, you know, won the UFC and for the first one. And people got to see a guy wearing what we call the bathrobe at the time, um, beating up guys who look like they were, you know, we're, we're all, we're used to the guy who's in the bar, big guy, tough guy, you know, we thought those tough guys or the muscle guy. And then you see Hoist Gracie, who's kind of, who was kind of skinny. He wasn't the most opposing guy, but he came in and he beat it, every, beat everybody. So, um, so to answer your question about age in jiu-jitsu, I find that jiu-jitsu works from, Five years old to 85, and the only reason why I put the 85 on there is, I mean, I'm sure it could go a little farther depending upon how well you're able to maintain your body. Um, but I find at being 42 when I started, um, which I've seen this many times now, is jujitsu kind of creates a new uh, awakening in people, almost like a fire. Like they, they kind of realize, man, I, I thought a lot less of myself. I'm like, yeah, see, you thought a lot less, but you were way more. And I, that's what I truly enjoy about training jujitsu. Tell me about your nonprofit. What, what's your mission? What are you wanting to do with it? Our mission with Fostering Jiu-Jitsu, that's our nonprofit, um, the whole mission is to help youth in jujitsu. We originally started out focused on foster care kids and group home kids, um, you know, when we had the pandemic, uh, that changed everything because uh, we didn't have the access. We lost a program through Los Angeles County because COVID rules, we couldn't do anything anymore. So 
we had to sort of change gears and uh, we started focusing more on jiu-jitsu youth athletes. It's a real underserved uh, market as far as jiu-jitsu. Uh, there's a lot of youth that compete and uh, one of the biggest organizations for jiu-jitsu is called the IBJJF. And then we also have Jiu-Jitsu World League. These are big organizations that put on events for Jiu-Jitsu. So they're tournaments, and people compete against each other. There's various ages and weights. And then we also have different belt ranks within the ages and the, and the, and the, the weight classes. So uh, there was a lot of youth, man, that are, their parents are spending money for them to travel uh, to different states, especially with the pandemic. There was nothing going on in California. So all of the tournaments were in Florida or Texas. And so people were traveling to Florida, Texas, and we said, you know, I'd love to be able to donate money for these youth. They're flying. At that time, flights were cheap. Some people were getting flights for like 50 to 100 bucks, which was great, but they're not like that now. <laughs> no, they're not. No. So, yeah, so the whole thing was to help youth. So we, we've had to modify our vision a little bit because um, – you know, you can start with one idea, but then it may not be the idea that's um, the one that's going to give you the, the most out of what you're trying to accomplish. So we switched over more towards youth athletes, and um, we've donated, I think, up to $20,000 towards youth in jiu-jitsu. Um, and we, we have a very unique marketing. Um, we make jam. And so uh, I'm a jam master, I guess you could say. <laughs> And yeah, so making the jam uh, gave us a vehicle to be able to help more youth. And um, I'm really proud of the youth that we've been able to help. And I hope once we get settled here in Council Bluffs that uh, we're able to uh, do far more and with far more resources and, and a lot more um, of a community that really invests in that idea as well. What I'm envisioning uh, with the products that you have and the different jams that you have is um once uh, farmer's markets start back up again, yes, uh, an excellent place to do it and a very inexpensive place to be able to set up a booth. And not only can you sell your products there, but you can talk to people about exactly what it is that you're doing. And, and, and a, there's so many, it's, it's a great community event here in Council Bluffs with, the, with that uh, farmer's market. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, when people talk to me about farmer's markets before, I would have probably said no. Um, because it isn't we because we weren't established in a community where I could say, hey, this is my jam. We do this. We, we you know. But now that I see that what we're doing, uh, as far as we're settled here, this is our new roots. Um, I'm not leaving. So um, you know, I I feel like the farmers markets is a great opportunity for us to offer our jams. Now, the way we set up at schools, jujitsu schools, is we bring samples out and, and people just try our different jams. We have crackers that we use and people just try the samples and we just let them sell themselves. You know, mm -hmm. people, we have sometimes at least uh, seven to eight different flavors that people can try at one time. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Some, there's times I look back and I'm thinking like, wow, how do we make all these jams? Um, I don't know. Um, I think when you really are passionate about a lot of things, you kind of don't see all the work you put in and then until you reflect and then you look back and you're like, wow, that's a lot of work, you know. But, you know, what doesn't kill you just makes you stronger. So we, we're firm believers in, in hard work and we just want to bring that message to youth in jujitsu. 
That's something that you do with your wife, correct? And with uh, the production and also going out and selling and you take your son with you and, yes. and you're very family. I've, I've noticed this about you, uh, Byron. Family means a lot to you. Yes. And you have, uh, um, you know, a young son at the age of 50. So yeah. <laughs> yes. well done, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I know that uh, uh, you needing all of this energy that I'm sure that uh, jujitsu has, has provided for you. You're going to need that. Cause I met that young man. He is uh, he's, he's a bundle of energy. He is. And he is exactly what we both needed for what we do. Um, you know, cause uh, I also DJ and my wife is, uh, she was the MC for shows that we would do jujitsu shows. And my son went to every show. And, you know, he would be in his pack and play sleeping sometimes or sometimes he'd be up the whole show hanging out with us or we'll pass him back and forth. And I think showing people, I think people now see more of their limitations more than they see what they can do. And so that's, that's a great, that's a great line. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I that? do. That is really well put. So people would see us and they'd be like, wow, you're there with your baby your wife's emceeing, you're DJing a show. Yep, we sure are. And we don't look like we're like distressed. Like, you know, I don't know what's what's happened now where everyone thinks everything they do is distressing. So um, I find with great skill, you have a lot of abilities. So going back to what I said about um, being in this community is – all you have to really do is affect one person's life and they develop a level of skill. Everything changes from there. They're a different person and they are, they are an empowered person and they think different about themselves. And, you know, and there's some people, you know, I, I talked to some people recently that live not too far from me. They, they've been through some things, you know, they're looking for a, a way to figure out how to redeem themselves. And it's like, Jiu-Jitsu is a great way to do it because it did for me. Yeah. You and I have visited when the microphones weren't in front of our face and we weren't recording. And a, a large thing that impresses me about you, Byron, is that right after you got here, you got out and started talking to your neighbors. You started meeting people that were close to you and around you. Wintertime in the Midwest is not an easy time to do that. Most people are kind of holed up and, and uh, staying pretty close to home, but you've been meeting folks and getting to know people and letting them get to know you. That is old school philosophy. It's a community, and that, that's how you're approaching this. Well, as I said to you earlier about the old homes, the old homes created that sense of warmth, you know, um, even if you come in in the middle of the winter, like we did. I mean, tr trust me, um, there's plenty of people that live here that are like, wow, you just left warm California for cold Iowa? And I'm like, of course. I mean, it's it, um, you have to figure out what's going to make your life be the best. And the best place for you is the place that you're willing to invest in. And um, for me, as soon as I drove to this town, I said, oh, wow, look at these old homes and these old buildings. I knew it. I was like, we're, we're good. We don't have to look anymore. 
And and I know it's there's a lot of trust in that, uh, and I know a lot of people don't understand that kind of trust because I talk to people who don't trust themselves that way. But once you trust it, you trust your your instincts, uh, you trust your history of what you've done, and then you have like a good a great relationship with the people around you who they trust you too. It's, it creates this other cycle. So you can just move, do things, uh, shift from here. You make executive decisions quick, boom. And then you, then you make that decision and then you act. I think it's a good way of how to, to teach people how to be a little bit more self-empowered and, um, and how to take risks because we have to take risks. Do you feel that you had all of these, uh, this type of attitude toward life before jujitsu, or did that help bring that out in you? I think jujitsu brought it out. And um, I used to be like an urban farmer kind of guy before. And there was uh, my, my mom's family comes from Maryland, a very rural part of Maryland. So they were country bumpkin people, you know, they lived off the land. And um, so I have a lot of that in me. Plus, my father was a very interesting, like, he was a very technical person. So, you know, 1981, 82, my dad was really into computers and ham radio. So I was soldering at like nine years old, eight years old. You know what I'm saying? So, so I had an upbringing that was kind of like, okay, I got my mom's country bumpkin families. I got my dad who never was an engineer like, uh, like with a degree, but he loved radio and electronics. So, which I look at myself, I'm like a perfect hybrid of both. So using technology, being part of what technology is, you know, and then being a DJ um, since I was like 15, there's, there's those things that kind of build you up. Um, so, cause when I was, oh man, when I was in high school, I, I had a calendar. I used to write how much money I'd make, you know, from DJing different events. And I remember one time I made like $2,000 in a month. Yeah. As a kid. And I'm thinking that's ridiculous, but it just goes to show, you know, you start to play out these different, uh, you start to know how to learn. You develop these tools. And I'm using all the same tools that I learned when I was like a kid right now. So that's why the impression of what we do with the youth is really important because those impressions, they're long lasting. You know, like my son, what he gets from me, he gets kind of what I got from my father. He, but it's way better for him. And then my goal is for him to be way better than me. That's, that's the way I think it should work. Immediately, or what's right in front of you right now is just getting your house ready, right? And you're moving in, and you moved into a place that probably a fixer-upper. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100% fixer-upper. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's beautiful. It's on two acres. It's in the middle of the town. It's... Um, I was a contractor before, so I was around every trade. 
Um, so I used to do low voltage wiring, which is like the cat five wiring, you know, cat six wiring and stuff in homes and businesses. So I had that business for 15 years. So, uh, coming here doing high voltage wiring, I'm not doing any of the plumbing cause that's better to sub that out to other people. Um, cause toilets are different. They're a different beast, <laughs> but it's just, it just makes me realize like, you know, I'm doing the framing. I just framed my shower before I came over here today. And I'm like very happy with my work right now. So, uh, you know, I may not be happy with it tomorrow, but I, but that's okay. I'll, I'll make those adjustments. But all those things, I, I, I would say they go back to skill. So we always have to go back to skill. Um, and I have the same mindset towards jujitsu. You can, you can be as confident as you want, but skill rules confidence. It, 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 it destroys confidence. What I mean by confidence is like um, I tell people I I don't believe jujitsu teaches you to be confident. It teaches you to be competent, and competence is what the ultimate goal should be. You should be able to have skills, and then you use those skills to expand your other skills, and then you just keep developing. And, and once you have a level of competence, you don't usually revert. You can't revert backwards. But if you're confident, you could be as confident as you want. But if your skills are not there, we all know. And you know, which is the worst part. And, you know, being 50 years old, you know, I've been training here at some of the schools around here. And I don't know what people think of me. Well, it depends. So uh, if you're familiar with cauliflower ear, People, there's two types of people that look at me. There's some that think, eh, maybe he's not that good in jiu-jitsu. And then there's the people that see my ears. So that's, that, that kind of, people that see the cauliflower ear be like, oh, you know, I saw the cauliflower ear. So I love hearing the stories that people tell me about what they think I'm going to be like before we train. And then once we train, um, you know, I, I've trained with thousands of people. I think it could be 3,000, maybe. I, and it's not a joke. Like, I've trained that much. Uh, I've trained here in America, in Japan, because I have two daughters that live in Japan. So I would visit them. And I would train jiu-jitsu. So I put, you know, whatever they say, the 10,000 hours, or the 20,000 hours, I put those hours in. And those hours are the glue. They're the, they're the recipe. They're, and my wife's learning how to bake right now. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so in, in, in that skill... That's where I go back to skill. So I'm hearing Council Bluffs to bring skill. And, um, you know, and I feel like a lot of people, like what jiu-jitsu did for me is it freed me up so I could just apply my skills. So I think back to, there, there was that old saying about um, do what you love and the money will follow. But here's the problem, mm-hmm. that it's very difficult to love something you're not good at. You need to put the time in. And sometimes you're not going to know how much you love something until you get really good at it. You know, there was a time in my life that I I, I couldn't speak in front of people. I was scared to death to do it. Definitely. And I did not know that I had the voice skills that I do until I got good at it. And I had to go through that process and I had to go through the learning process, much like you said you did learning jujitsu and going through all of that training to get to the point where you're at now. That's when you find out how much do I love this because you are good at it. Yeah, and you also you have to take your L's, as we say. We take our losses. 
So this is the other tricky part that I would say is sort of missing in the current uh, life is losing. You have to lose. Oh, that's so that's so it's, true. It's and it's terrible because nobody wants to feel that. And um, this is the reason why I was able to move because I've taken so many L's. And um, you know, because just think about this, like. If you leave on December 5th and then find a house three weeks later, it doesn't normally exist that way. No, <laughs> that's very <Okay>. true. <laughs> so, so, so what is it? What would, what do you think that takes? You know, like that takes really knowing what you want. You have to really know what you want. You can't just like phone it in. Oh, I, I think I want this. Now, I, I talked to a lot of people and so many people don't know what they want. And, uh, and, you know, I'm not saying jujitsu is the answer for everything. That's ridiculous. But I'm saying that if you don't know what you want, you should at least do something that's hard. You know, my wife, she's another rare person. She wrestled for four years in high school and a year in college. I think if I was going to pick a person to be with me on a journey that I wanted to do, she's the only person I could pick. Because of what she did. She did wrestling. And she wasn't good at it the first year. Then she got good at it. And then I spotted her. And I said, wow. And I remember I, when she first came over to my place, I told her, you should be my girl. That was in the first 20 minutes when she came over. And, uh, and I knew it. Because I was, I was on a journey. I was trying to come up with um, how I was going to redeem my life you know I was divorced I had two kids that lived in another country I was like man this is not this is not the life I want so what is the life I want and then um, one of the major things was I was planning on opening a school in Japan but I couldn't get a visa to, to live in Japan even though I had kids that were Japanese citizens so I realized okay this is not the direction I'm supposed to go and luckily, I met Britt. I was with Britt at the time. We just barely got together. And I started the nonprofit a few months before we got together. And um, it's, but there's actually even more story of me and Britt, which is even funnier. But a year prior to this, I went to what we call an open mat. And um, I met Britt there. She was training, she had blue hair at the time. So, and I trained with her. I thought she was really good. And I said, you know, you're really good. You should train. She says, well, I can't really afford it. I said, if there's a will, there's a way. Five months later, I'm coaching jiu-jitsu at a junior college. And Britt's taking the class, but I didn't know it was her because her hair was brown and not blue. So I didn't know it was her. Then... I came up with the idea for our nonprofit fostering jujitsu. I would say I came up with the idea like maybe in March, April. And um, I was talking to another student after class about goals. We were talking about goals. And Britt happened to walk by and she said, Hey, Britt, what are your goals? Britt said, My goal is to have foster kids. And to start a nonprofit. And I said, you know, I'm starting a nonprofit called Fostering Jiu-Jitsu. I'm serious. It happened just like that. 
And I said, you know, I'm trying, I have to do my first event. I was really fortunate. I had a, a friend that runs a school in San Diego. His name is Professor Joel. And he allowed me to do my first event there. We didn't have jam yet. This was all new. We were selling eggs and I, I was an urban farmer. So I had eggs and I had like some vegetables that I was growing. And uh, I told Britt, I go, hey, you know, I'm having my first event in three weeks. Maybe you can come by and you can help me fundraise. She says, well, I used to fundraise for wrestling. So boom, boom. And I was like, at that point, I told my buddy Joel, I said, man, I think I found my girl for me. And uh, she came over. And within the first 20 minutes, I said, hey, you should be my girl. She completely ignored it. <laughs> and then I found out she had a boyfriend. I was like, I'm like eh, I don't know about your boyfriend. And... Uh, Funny story, she she stayed at my place for like, we were like five or six hours just talking about stuff, life. And um, the next day, she sent me a text. Her boyfriend magically broke up with her of five years. And I said, perfect, you're mine. <laughs> and then um, she ended up moving in, I would say, a week later. And we started this journey. At that time, Britt was 180 pounds. And she wanted to lose weight and, I, and get in good shape. And I said, um, you know what? You hang out with me, we'll get the weight off real quick, and you're going to win jiu-jitsu matches. And uh, long story short, uh, I still did not know this was the girl I met that summer with the blue hair. Still didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So we were driving down to San Diego because I wanted to introduce her to my friend, Professor Joel. And, and I had Joel train with her and he's like, she's really good. And boom, 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 boom. And then she said, and she's like, yeah, I met you before. I go, where'd you meet me? At that other school open mat. And I was like, wow. So I started paying attention to, I think I'm on something, onto something. Like, I think, you know, my life redemption program that I was on was starting to happen and it was happening in real time. You know, they, they talk about like lucid dreams or something like mm -hmm. I think I was living in my own real dream, like where I was living in this thing and I still live in it and I still see it. It's the same things still happen. You know, you and I have um, so many similar things. We have some parallel universes. Oh, I'm telling you because yeah. you, 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 what you're describing right there is how I feel of where we're sitting right now. Uh, I do too. You know, that I'm, I'm living somebody else's life that we are in a recording facility and you look outside when you walk in, my name's over the door. Yes. All of these things that did not exist a year ago, and now we're here, and I have to pinch myself sometimes when I come in here because, yeah, I, I created this. You know, yes. you're looking at the things, this room I built. I yes. put I, these things that are hanging on the walls. I'm the one that put them here. Did you paint yeah. the walls too? Yeah, I, I did everything. You, you know, go. the scuff marks that are on the walls now, <laughs> those are from somebody else. But yeah, I did I, I did everything yes. in here. Yes. Uh, you know, I put up another layer of sheetrock, which don't look at the sheetrock finish job because I'm not that. But <laughs> anyway, yes. but I'm just saying that all of these things that you're talking about, I, I thought of something, you know, 15 years ago of saying that you find what you're looking for. And what that means is it doesn't matter what you're looking for. If you are looking for negative in life, you're going to find it. It and will it's, come. And, you're, and it's all you're going to see, yes. and it's all you're going to attract into your life. Now, if you're looking for positive, then that's what you're going to see. And 
that's what this place is. And that's what you're talking about with your life. It's what you're looking for. You, your vision is now different and you are searching and seeking out the positive things to make your life better and to make your life successful at whatever that may look like. like, Success doesn't mean, you know, seven zeros on the end of your bank account or anything like that. It is, are you happy and content with your life? And are you moving forward in a direction that you want to go? And you're doing exactly that, man. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, I'm I'm grateful now that I can tell people when they tell me nice things, I appreciate it. Because when you tell people you're going to make jam and travel around and help kids in jujitsu, there isn't too many people that are going to believe you. <laughs> You're right. That is, uh, that's a little niche that you've created for yourself. That it's not a real common story. No, and so I, I and I say this to anybody who has hopes and dreams um, of whatever they want to accomplish. Like, because I, I don't think every idea is a good idea. The whole thing is, is you have to like go through your ideas. You have to tear them apart. You have to tear them apart. You have to take the risk of tearing your ideas apart so you can uh, look at it not from what it is I just want. It's got to work. Like the, the pain, the L's that we talk about. I'm a, I'm a fan of this uh, deceased comedian named Patrice O'Neill. I know him very well. Oh, one man. Of the, one of the funniest men that ever existed. Thank you. And and I'm going to tell you, uh, the two people that I could say saved my life is Jordan Peterson and Patrice O'Neill. And they're not as polar opposite as you think. They're just realists. And, um, you know, and I, I, I know I live in a world where being real is a very uh, ridiculed position right now because it uh, people are afraid and, and I think what I can do with jujitsu is teach people to not be afraid of the dark. You know, uh, my house is so spooky. Like, uh, I tell people, like, uh, you know, there's probably some ghosts running around my house, but they don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They don't mess with me at all. And I even told my wife, I said, look, you better make peace with this house because if there's some ghosts here, you better make peace with these ghosts because... Uh, they just want to see that you care. And when I say that, I just mean not the ghosts, like, you know, in the Casper sense or the scary ghosts. I mean just, like, your legacy has to show that you care. That's the rule. And um, and then moving into this house, you know, I, I tore into my house day two of ownership. I took, I took plaster down and was trying to figure out how I'm going to run wires here, run wires here, and... I think a lot of people don't, they, well, it goes back to skill. So skill has to be the thing. I think skill has to be the top thing we do. And um, I think a town like this deserves to see the power of skill. Um, this town was built on skill. You know what I'm saying? It's powerful. I just, you know, I, I take jogs here in the morning and, you know, and I'm just like, walking around today was a terrible day to jog because the ice was like ugh, <laughs> dangerous but taking my jogs around the town got me to pay attention to all the skillful things that were done here in this town at one point even if some of it looks like blighted it's like wow there was something going on here there's a history here there's a legend here there's a ghost here there's something there's something going on here you know like a history so 
I think that's the energy we need when we push forward. My old town I lived in, California, was called Pomona. And uh, unfortunately, none of the people in the town there, uh, okay, are, I don't know what they call it. What do you call it when you have like, a, so their, their symbol was the goddess of Pomona. So they had like a symbol, like goddess of Pomona, abundance and fruit, okay? But none of them could figure out that that was the best thing to use to keep the idea moving forward. So people are always trying to bring new ideas in. And I'm, I, I don't know. I don't think always it's always new ideas. I think sometimes it's the, it's, the, it's the history is what you always lead with. That's why we have to be so respectful of history and the past and what we've gone through. We can't rename it. We can't rework it. We have to just embrace it. So that way we have a future because if we don't embrace that history, we're just going to repeat it in a very dangerous way. And then no one's going to know where, why, how, what, how we got here. We're just going to be like. Now, if you forget the lessons that came along with that history, yes. then you have to go learn them again. And that L, no one wants to take anymore. So I have so many good conversations. Um, one of the things that I did while I was on the road is I, uh, is I made it a point to have at least one deep conversation every day. And, um. I totally encourage people to do that. If you want to have, if you want to know about what you think, have a deep conversation and talk with people about different things. And they're not like comfortable conversations either. Like people tell me all kinds of crazy stuff. And, but having those conversations, you know, it's weird how many people don't even think about things beyond just, high and by, you know? So there's a cultural shift that's going on, which is one thing. Um, but, I, you know, say if we're at the end of the world right now, which I don't think we are. I just think we're, we're in a, a shift, some kind of a shift. You know, you're always going to have to go back to, like I say, the core of what we're about as people, the humans. So... You know, I just want to be able to, I, like like Patrice would say, I just want to, I just want to enjoy my ceiling fan <laughs> because <laughs> one day somebody's gonna want to take it, you know. And it's like you think about that. And I listen to a lot of stuff Patrice has said about like life, and you know, and he's one of those guys. Like now, people respect him probably more than they did back then. I agree because yeah. people didn't. He ruffled a lot of feathers when he was alive. Well, you know, like we should be ruffling some feathers because, you know, uh, I used to have chickens and uh, I would watch when the roosters would go after the chickens. You know what the female chickens do right after that? They shake it off and go back to life. And I was like fascinated by wow. my, my chickens. I was fascinated. I learned something that day. I was like, man, I need to learn how to shake things off. I have to shake off my divorce. I have to shake off the the feeling of uh, that uh, you failed. I have to shake that off. How do you shake that off? Mm. Well, you don't shake it off easily, but it is easy. It's weird. It's like it's easy, but it's not easy. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And years and years ago, 
I used to be one of those people that got really angry if somebody cut me off in traffic or did something stupid that put my life in danger. And I would get all worked up and I would just be upset and, and let my brain go there for an hour. Why'd you let yourself go there? This is the lesson that I've learned. Mm. If I didn't, and if I just shut it off immediately mm. and went about my day, I felt so much better. Because here's the problem. And, and this applies to a lot more of the things in road rage. If you f- are letting yourself go there and just be angry, the only person that's hurting is you. Mm. That person that cuts you off has no understanding or even knows that you exist anymore. Mm. They're long gone. But your day is now being ruined. If you just let it go and then it's gone. And that philosophy started there and has moved on to other areas of my life. I try really hard to only be concerned about things that I can affect. Mm. If it's something that I have no control over, then worry and fret and angst and every other negative emotion that goes with it serves no purpose other than ruining my day. Mm. And I'm not perfect at it, but it's something that I strive for. I think I'm going to get you to train jujitsu. I have a gut feeling. <laughs> I got a feeling too. <laughs> I, you know, because, uh, you know, and I, because uh, here's one of the things that I, I hate to be a salesman, but I am. Um, but that's not what I am. I'm something more than a salesman because I'm not just like selling a used car and be like, it's the best car. But I think. I know that my eye has to always look at it this way because it's the lens that I live in every day. And uh, but I'm not this person who just thinks jujitsu is everything. It's it, it is, but not everybody wants it. I'll I'll put it to you like this. So we've fundraised at karate schools that have jujitsu, and so I got to watch karate. And I hadn't watched karate since my daughter did it when she was like four. So I didn't remember, and I wasn't training jiu-jitsu back then. So I didn't have, like, a thing to gauge karate. I just, I heard karate or taekwondo. But then I saw jiu-jitsu, and then I saw karate at a jiu-jitsu at a karate school, and I got to watch karate. And I realized not everybody wants it as real as jiu-jitsu. And I could kind of respect that. I feel bad for them that they don't want it realer. But I understand jujitsu is one of those things that, um, like wrestling, you're in the wheelhouse. Uh, there's things you're going to find out about yourself. You may find out you ain't. Can I say bad words on this? Or no? Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, okay. no, you can say anything you want, man. Okay, you will find out you ain't shit, and you're going to have to take that L. And I have watched many people find out they ain't shit, and I enjoy it because it changes you from that point on. Because you think I haven't found out I wasn't shit a few times? Plenty of times I found out I was nothing. I'm a loser. Whoa, my God, I don't know nothing. And I enjoy it now watching people find out. The greatest lesson I ever learned in my life was uh, I was the only sport that I was getting good at in high school was track. Okay. And I used to run the mile. And I was a freshman in high school, and it was the second meet that I was ever at. Really, really windy day. So uh, when we're running down the backstretch, it was kind of like running in a vacuum because the wind was blowing faster than we could run. Yeah. But when you come around that other corner and start heading toward the start finish line, it's just 
you've got the speed of what you're running and then you've got the 30 mile an hour wind in your face. So it was just like hitting a wall. I took the lead on the third lap. So there's four laps around the track and down the back stretch, I took the lead and was, my belief was I was pulling away. I didn't have a rear view mirror on, so I couldn't really see how far back this uh, other kid was. And then I came around and I hit that wall. And that wind just took every last bit of energy out of me, and I slowed down to a crawl. It felt like I was trying to run in the bottom of a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Crowd starts cheering. It's not registering with me what's actually happening. But this kid's catching me that I had passed. Wasn't registering with me. When I got to the start-finish line and I was just about to win that race, I can still picture this kid sticking his arms up in the air and beating me in the mile by two-tenths of a second. I never got caught again at the end of a race. Slipping. Because that lesson of losing taught me more than winning ever could. And how many years ago was that? That was 1983. See... And see how vivid that dream, that that's a, not dream, but that reality is. Yeah. And that's 1983. Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. Yeah, it is. But it's it registers like, boom. I can still feel it. Yes. To this day, I can still feel what it was like to see the joy of victory it's on that way. kid's face. And it's got nothing to do with him. I don't wish him any ill will at all. I, I hope he's gone on to a very successful career. He's probably career. a fat guy that's not <laughs> training <laughs> or he's training jiu-jitsu somewhere. It could be. Who never, knows? Never know. But I wanted to be him. I didn't want to be me right then. And my first instinct was to blame other people. It was, why didn't somebody tell me where he was? Where were my teammates telling me where this guy was? Well, that wasn't their job. Nope. It was my job to finish. And I didn't finish. Mm. And that taught me a huge lesson that it doesn't matter what you do through the first 98% of any project. If you do not complete the last 2%, you're going to lose. Yep. And, and losing is part of this, this thing. I think the greatest gift you can give to youth right now is teaching them how to lose and understanding why they need to lose. And, uh, and I think that's why we're here. Um, you know, we could have ended up anywhere else. I, mm-hmm. I, I honestly like. That's a big wide country. I literally, when I told people I was moving and it was our last day and we just got on the road, you know, I haven't talked to a lot of people because I, I like to have my conversations with people like in person or when I see them, then they tell me the real thing they want to tell me because social media is so weird. It's like, it's just not an appropriate way to talk to people. It just isn't. And uh, if you want to find out real information. That's a good point. Yes. I mean, um, but I do a lot of voice memos for for people that I know um, because, one, it's always good to have record of your voice. I think it's a legacy, part of the legacy of you. You know, like uh, I, I know a couple of people I've said some things to uh, that they've, they said that I recorded what you said just to hold on to. I'm like, good. Because maybe one of these days in 10 years, I want to hear it too. Mm-hmm. I want to hear if I was crazy, if I was kind of on to something. You know, I think, the difference between, I would say, my wife and I is we don't think we're right. So we just, uh, we just trust in, our, in our, what we've learned, and we re-fortify ourselves with, uh, we critique ourselves. So, like, we've done really well selling jam and marketing ourselves. 
but we've never just sat there and be like, hey, it's fun. Just relax. No. This once you start the roller coaster ride, you're on the ride, you know, until you don't want to ride. A common a common theme through this podcast, and we've said it many times, is that if you want to succeed, get comfortable with failure. Yes. Because that's where the lessons are. Yes. You do not learn a thing by succeeding because you already knew. You have learned it and you know it now. That's why you were able to succeed. You want to learn something, you have to be willing to fail. So like, like, so my impression of you is you seem like a pretty straight up square kind of guy. And I've seen a thousand of those guys learn jujitsu. And I love it because I sh- I'm sure every other guy who maybe is not athletic right now, which this is not jujitsu isn't as much about athletics as people think. It's about a strong mind. So because for me, doing jujitsu at 42, can I compete with a 20 year old's real vigor? Depends. Depends on how skilled I am. Because if I'm more skilled and he's just a wild horse, it's he's gonna only do what a wild horse does. But I can do whatever I I can do. So it's it's I love proving to people what they can be. I love it. I love proving it. And I'm not saying everybody embraces it because, you know, not everybody's ready for hard truths about life, what they want. I don't think most people really want the success they think they really want to have. Because what really comes with this stuff is, I mean, I'm not in any pain doing what I do. Like, I'm working on my house every day. It's a job. I have a job. And I have till April, well, my birthday is March 30, and my son may be born March 30, which is weird. Um, yeah, you do have a, a new child on the way. Yeah, we have a new baby coming. And so, I mean, literally, I've only been with Britt for the last, it's going to be four years, May 6th. And we have one son and another son. We've been across the country multiple times. We had a we still have our little van, but we used to live in our little van selling our jam, and then we now have a bigger van. It's way more comfortable, but we worked hard to to build. We didn't we didn't just get anything. We had to work extremely hard to get there. And going back to what I said about why we're here and why we're in Council Bluffs, I think there's people that want that too for themselves. They want to have that feeling. I know youth that started that when I started training jiu-jitsu, you know, nine years ago, there's two um, youth that trained at my school in Upland, California named Cody and Jason. And they just recently got their black belts. I believe they are 21 maybe now. Yeah. And they've been training jiu-jitsu since they were like, uh, I think I met Cody and them when they were like 11. And so I get to watch like two young men like grow up stick with jujitsu and they're great people both of them they both teach it's like it's cool now i always think well what are they gonna be like in 20 years when they're like you know i would say they're seasoned you know in life because i tell everybody men don't lives don't really start till about 40 yeah it's it's a weird phenomenon i don't i don't think people understand it um i wish we talk about it more that men's life starts around 40. It doesn't start at 20 at all. It's not, 
I don't know about you at 20, but I didn't know what I was doing at 20. No, I had no, I had no idea uh, at 20 years old. I didn't, I didn't talk into my first microphone professionally until I was 25. Well, I think I heard it was Versace or one of those guys started around 40. I'm not sure if that's true, but I thought I heard that. I think if you start to really look at the history, most male success starts way later. Now, you have these people that are like, um, like right now, this youth that is becoming successful, a lot of it seems to be a flash in the pan. It doesn't last. It goes quick. I mean, look at the FTX guy who did the Bitcoin thing. I don't know how that nerd made it that far, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's some YouTube stars that yes. it, it seems to, it, okay, I, I'm thrilled for it that it's working for them, but is, is there longevity there? I don't, I, well, I don't know. I, okay, so we go back to, we have to really be honest about success and be real. Like, not everyone's going to be rich or really successful. That's the the main thing is I'm not saying people can't be successful. They can be, but not everybody is, uh, you know, because some things about success are what you work and your hard work. And some things are about, you know, there is a system of success with, that's based on people giving you that opportunity. And there are some people that are really good for, like Patrice O'Neill, he always talks about like how people, <laughs> he was so verbose like you know he he didn't compromise so you know there's there's different clicks that this click gives this person an opportunity to do whatever in that click and then there's a bigger click of that click you know there's layers to the cakes you know so i think for us coming here my goal is to try to tap into all the different clicks to integrate them in and find this commonness that we can work together, you know, and hopefully here in Council Bluffs, you know, people will feel like it's worth it to invest in a nonprofit like Foster and Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I'd say I'm some somewhat embarrassed by the lack of support in some ways with what we've done. I think you don't see anything grassroots anymore. You don't see anybody who goes, I mean, we've gone door to door selling jam and we sold jam. So there's things like I don't do it now. But I know I've done it, so I know I could do it again if I had to. But it's just one of those things that um, we live in a time right now where people like to support lower thought ideas instead of high-level thinking. Like, "Mm, what is it you want? You know, ask the kids real deep questions, you know. And um, I'm not saying, like, I, I, you know, I'm black. I didn't. I grew up in a very middle-class family, but they got divorced, and it wasn't good. A lot of bad things kind of went down. But I also, I don't have any regrets in that family from what it taught me because, you know, my dad was a really skilled guy, but he never, he didn't figure out the meaning of life until it was too close to the end. And I've been fortunate. I've been able to figure out the meaning of life for myself I say right smack dab in the middle of where my growth is supposed to be. So it's uh it's great that I think now I can share with people the secret of success is to figure out what you want really deeply and are you willing to do all the work 
you know, I think you said that earlier, but yeah, are you willing to do all the work that comes with that, that idea? And uh, I, I, I go back to why we're here in Council Bluffs. I, I think that's what's going to make us successful in Council Bluffs, even though I've talked to other people and I've seen the marketing for jiu-jitsu is not really that good anyways, but you can't be in a town with 60,000 people and no jiu-jitsu school. That's ridiculous. It's just, it's unheard of. Okay, so, and then what do you, what do, you do next? Because I looked at the Mid-America Center. They have all kinds of sporting events over there. We did meet, uh, my wife met with uh, Georgie that runs a wrestling program over there. And, he's, and that George Ivanoff with the best wrestler. Yes. Yep. Yep. So there's things, um, but like I would say, like, although like jujitsu and wrestling have like, um, they're like, um, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> not biological cousins. They're like non-biological cousins. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. They're more like cousins by marriage. Okay. <laughs> so because some similarities, yeah, yeah but yeah. you got to kind of look for them. Yeah, but their differences, they're t- but they're totally. They have a different like uh like path. Like wrestling training, I think is by far the hardest training you could ever do. Jiu-jitsu training is hard, but not as hard as wrestling training. But wrestling ceiling is 21. Jiu-jitsu's is just pick a number. It keeps going up um, because I know um, this is the beautiful thing about what we've been able to do is I've been able to meet cool people in jiu-jitsu. And um, so the belt ranks, you know, black belts are the main teaching belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, it's not the highest ranked belt. We have um, coral belt and we have red belt. And... Um, being in California and being able to travel so much, I've been able to meet like people who have been trained jujitsu since like the early, early days, late eighties, nineties. And we know a gentleman named Ken Gabrielson. He's out of um, Denver and uh, really awesome guy. His son, Chris, they, Ken is a red belt in jujitsu. I think, you know, coral belt, red belt. I'm not sure, but he's one of the high level guys. And he's one of the first American Brazilian jujitsu black belts. It's a big deal because there wasn't that many of these guys. There's a few that are the first American Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, and he's one of those guys. So you get to meet these people. And, you know, I think it's just important to have these different histories that you have. And I've been really fortunate. I I mean, I did a a project a long time ago for Roy Disney at his house. Really? Toluca Lake, yep. I looked at the picture the other day. That was like, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, maybe. And I looked at the picture the other day of me with Roy Disney. And I could tell at that time he was going to pass away, like, pretty soon. He had that, you know where they get those, like, the cancer thing, like, on their arms where their, where their skin looks very thin? Like, yeah. 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 And he had a lot of those on his arm. So I, I just, but just, you know, I remember just, like, thinking about, like, wow, this guy, he he's seen a lot of things in life, Roy Disney, you know, like, and uh, I ended up, uh, you know, I just learned a lot from working that project. So I'm, I started looking at my life and be like, man, I've done a lot of different things. They don't all like integrate, but they do. You know what I'm saying? They integrate in me. But like, if I tell people random things, it's like, wow, like, how did this happen? I don't even know. It's just, uh, your intentions, what you want to do, puts you in these different places. 
And these different places are like little movies or little stories or they're your narrative, you know. And I think part of the problem the youth are having right now is they don't have a narrative. They don't have a good movie. They have a bad movie with a bad plot, bad story. The script's bad, but they're still doing the movie. So how do we change that? Show them what a better movie looks like, you know. And That's a great analogy. Does that make sense? It does. It's a really really good analogy that the the youth today they just there's no script no that there are some exceptions mm-hmm. i met a couple of young men uh that uh, go to the university of nebraska at omaha i met them a couple of years ago they did a tour of the entire state of iowa visited every single incorporated town mapped the whole thing out took pictures everywhere wrote a book about it all of these different things at the age of 20 and 21 did it so there are exceptions there Outliers. Yeah, but I think that as a whole, you're right. They're they're missing that award-winning script to 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 set your life apart. Well, it's a lot of it's the time, you know. Um, You know, I'm from California, and so California is hmm, the homeless situation there is 100% made up, like created. And so, right? You mean not 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 as a myth, but it it this this was something that was created. Totally, yeah, a hundred percent. And everyone knows that. And when I remember when I was leaving California, I was telling people I was leaving. I would explain to them the reason. So, to live in California, you have to make ten thousand dollars a month. Period. That's not to have the best life. That's to have a life. Period. Period. And then. I would talk to people, and I found out very few people made $10,000 a month. So that should tell you. So who's living there? People that are just barely making it. And I said, man, luckily for me, I, I have a partner, wife, spouse, you know, whatever, that wants, when I tell her, hey, we got to go, we left. We didn't wait around. Uh <laughs> For the for the Noah's Ark, and not get on the boat, you know, uh, we just said. Uh, she says, "Okay, let's go." Now, you know, I just personally knew I couldn't stay there any longer because there's too much homeless. There's too much. Now, I came here to Council Bluffs. I'm not naive. I see similar things here that I see there. And I also come from a town in Pomona where we had a lot of people with uh, fishbowl ideas, you know, where they're just they're just looking in their fishbowl, and it's only about their fishbowl. So I know jujitsu is one of my fishbowls, but I don't just live in my fishbowl. I live in the world where I deal with problems because I'm a problem person. I deal with problems. I know what problems are, and so. I guess my point is, is that, you know, I I told my wife, I said, I think I want to become mayor of this town because I think it would be, well, one, it'd be rare to have a jujitsu guy that's a mayor of a town. And I think I'm in the right age bracket to be a mayor of a town. Plus, I have like a, a viewpoint about what a successful town does look like. You know, do we have a Christmas parade here? 
No, I don't remember seeing a Christmas parade in Council Bluffs. Mm. You know, those they do have a they do have a celebration. There's the uh, I don't know. Have you seen Bayless Park downtown? Yes, beautiful. Okay. Right there's uh, there's a big lighting ceremony that happens uh, right after Thanksgiving, and it's phenomenal. And there's a big event. It's kind of a, a winter celebration. Um, so, so that does happen. Yes. Do we have like a uh, four season type of events here at all? Like spring, summer, fall? You'll see different things going on throughout the year, uh, in Good. Council Bluffs. Um, there's a, there, there'll be a parade obviously around, uh, uh, Memorial Day. Um, you'll see that there. So there's, uh, what, what about Halloween? Do they do stuff for Halloween here too? Well, just the uh, traditional trick or treating and stuff like that. And there's, there's some areas of town that uh, are better than others. For better. <laughs> well, and it's, it's mostly because of the concentration of houses. Yeah. You know? do, do they have the bigger candy bars over there? Is sometimes, that what it is? <laughs> sometimes the, my, my favorite story, I took my daughter out when, when she was young and it was a warm Halloween that yeah. year. So it was like 68 degrees oh, and there was this huge crowd around this house. There's about 50 people around there and we got up there and they had one of those big roasters out there and they were giving out hot dogs. How awesome. <laughs> that was just great. How awesome is that? I see, I think all those things are the real things you really need to do to glue the town. And, um, and then from there, I don't feel like we have bad parents. I just feel like we have a lot of parents and I talk to them a lot of parents nowadays seem to not know what to do with their children. And this is a problem. Um, and, and they're lost trying to tell their kids. I, I, I mean, I even meet parents that don't even want to tell their kids what to do. And it's like, well, you kind of got to tell them what to do because they're not, they're not autonomous. No, you can't expect a uh, child to be able to make lifelong decisions uh, that, that are going to affect them uh, the rest of their life as a child. And, you know, I could... It would require you and I having a therapy session together for me to tell you all the experiences that I've got going on right now. But I understand. Uh, but that's a problem that you put that responsibility on a young person who is not, they can be very, very smart and very mature, but they just, they're not wired yet for it. Well, it, I think if we go back to what we're talking about as far as um, like men at 50, 40, really kind of starting to get their life together. And I've been seeing this. And, you know, it, it kind of has a negative connotation because people will say it's a midlife crisis. No, it's actually the time you actually wake up and you actually figure out what your, oh, yeah. what your value is. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we say what our value is, it's not like money value. It's like what you value, like what's important, you know, like what's important to you. And um, so... I, I think going back to with children, we're, we're not trying to give them any sense of value. So for me, like, okay, let's just say in the next two years, I open a jiu-jitsu school, it's really successful, and I have two, 300 students there or whatever. I wouldn't want to do that just to have two or 300 students. I'd want to do that because primarily because two or three hundred students can really change a, com a community for the better. You know, um, I'll be honest. Uh, I've seen, I've heard a lot of pie in the sky ideas from people like in my old town and they were all bad and not knowing how to tap into the community because they don't actually care. 
and and it's a problem. A lot of people really just don't care. And uh, funny thing, I just had a conversation with a guy I know uh, from Okinawa, Japan. He's an American guy that was living in Okinawa. And I met him one time when I was in Okinawa with my daughters. And um, he was in a band over there. And um, I always kind of thought like what he was doing was just kind of a waste. But it's hard to explain these things to people. Like when I say a waste, I mean like uh, you have to, what you if you want to do something, you have to figure out how to integrate all those things so they're all together into one thing. Okay, so you have like this uh, leverage from different angles, you know, because you don't always have strengths. So sometimes you need to have leverage. And but, you know, he was in and the local bands in Okinawa. I, I have to say most of them weren't very good, but they were they had a click, a little bit of an Okinawa click. And there was a lot of like Americans and sort of Japanese that would go and listen to these groups. So I talked to him just recently because he moved back to the States after COVID. He told me that he had to divorce his wife so she could get financial support in Japan, which is crazy. And his son was living with him here, but then the son went back to Okinawa. His daughter and his son live in now Okinawa with his ex. And he was saying to me how so negative people are. And I was like, well, you know, yeah, of course, because people don't see that they have a purpose. So you're going to get this. This is what it's going to turn into. People with no purpose are negative. Uh, and I'm, I'm not really coming to you as I'm not an optimist, I would say. I'm a realist, so I could be just as bad as a pessimist. But at the same time, I do believe in the redemption of the person. I think it's an important thing to have some level of redemption for people because we can't just all be damned because that's terrible. No one wins. Everybody loses in the worst of ways because now we don't have a shot. And I don't know how you feel about this, but checking the temperature of the population, their fear of training their kids to be better it seems like to me a lot of people definitely have this fear of improving and like it's it's and then if the get if the get rich quick comes fast they hear it boom they're tuned in tuned in it's like long form podcasts people thought that no one wants to hear anybody talk long form not true bullshit people do no it, it's something that um uh you know, and, and I'll be honest with you here, Byron, typically I don't go this long with a podcast because I usually just let the conversation wrap up as its own volition, but this one just hasn't. And that's why we're still talking. Because I'm but, fired up because I'm going to be honest with you. I am a passionate person. Like, mm, I used to have my old farm, I'd call it cooped up. That was my old farm. I had shirts with chicken with it on top of the coop. And uh, like... This is like 20 years of thoughts that are just like, man, we just can't treat each other like this and be okay. You know, like we have to figure out how to improve, you know, and I'm not trying to be on my best behavior. I'm just, I'm a realist. I know the world's ugly and I know that we're dealing with a lot of ugly 
But at the same time, I also do have a lot of hope for the world and for people. Even though, you know, I've talked to people around my neighborhood. Um, you know, there's people that are trying to figure things out. And I'm like, okay, if I start teaching jiu-jitsu out of my garage the way it started in the Californias back in the 80s, I could be that variant of what that was back then here. That's a cool thing. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's totally in the realm of possibility. You know what I mean by that? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I think you talk about uh, the negativity that's out there and, and uh, the way things are in society right now. It's because we're all looking for reasons to disagree. We're, that's what we're searching for. We're searching for camps to get into, and we only want to surround ourselves with people who agree with what we already say. Mm-hmm. And we're losing out on new ideas. You're talking about something that I don't know anything about with jujitsu. I, I have no idea what it's about, but I'm fascinated. And- well, well I, I don't think it's new ideas that we have to search for as much as it's like we talked earlier about the trains that used to be in this town. Almost every town across America had these electric trains. Some of them ran on pulley cars, like like was a pulley that was in the road. And then some of them were electric trains. And you mentioned how they're thinking about bringing those back. And I'm like, <laughs> it's hilarious to me because it's like, well, we should really know our history so that way we don't have to bring it back. We just, we maintain. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, what is health at 50 for me is maintain, maintenance. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's being consistent. Um, I don't think it's CrossFit necessarily kind of workouts because uh, most of those people get pretty beat up. So I'm a perfect person to work with people that are older than me and younger than me because I can show the younger person, guy or girl, longevity is important, and I can show the older person um, you're better than what you thought. You know, you, you thought kind of shitty about yourself. Well, now you can think better. You can maybe, and I've seen this happen. Like, it's cool to watch people that don't turn on themselves anymore. And they find, oh, man, I am I can do this. Yep. So those are the sparks that, if anything, if I had 300 students and I saw that happen all the time, that is, that would be awesome. But then again, if I start in my garage and have 20 people and I see 20 people get some things going in their life, it's pretty powerful, man. It's like, I don't know, man. It's a, it's motivating. You know what I'm saying? What I know is you can't have 30 unless you first have 20. Yep. And you can't have 50 unless you first have 30. Yep. So let's go get the 20. Well, let's get the one. Yeah, there you go, too. Because I talked to my neighbor across the street, and um, he trained a little bit of jiu-jitsu in Texas. And I, and I also told him, too, which is crazy. I said, I think you need to do podcasts because I think you, he has an interesting story, a uh, really interesting story. So I haven't heard all this story, but I know it's interesting. But um, 
and I and I told him, I said, I think you should put yourself out. Mm-hmm. Put yourself out. He's trying to look for a job and he's struggling. And I said, I think you you should put yourself in a different position because um, some people don't realize they're not supposed to have a job. They're supposed to have a career. They're not the same thing. No, that's very true. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Yep. I I understand that very well. So like, like, you know, can I tell you what I liked about you? When you said that to my wife and I the other day about like, you know, how the money, you know, you sometimes you just don't know. I really have a respect for people that don't know where it's going to come from. I think that's just living on. As soon as you said that, I told my wife, I go, I said, see, once again, I find out I'm in the right place again. You know, so if you start to be in the right place all the time and it's always the right place, it's kind of like, wow, that's you. That's you. That's your trust in yourself and what you've been doing. That's your hard work. That's your ethic. That's your system. So when you said that about money and and about, you know, I, I, I thought about having this conversation with you at that point. I was thinking, mm, you know, because, you know, this can be one of those podcasts that people come back to and be like, oh, that's interesting. Because I think about listening to some of Patrice O'Neill's stuff that he's done and listening to his theories about life and how to look at life a certain way, especially about business, because I think it's really important. You have to decide kind of what path you want to go down. Do you want to be very corporate or do you want to be an everyday person? And I think those are like legitimate ways to want to look at it. Like for me, I want a nice hybrid of both. I think I can offer a lot to the corporate world, maybe some legitimacy, you know, like, you know, because a lot of corporate you know, they support all kinds of things, but, you know, jiu-jitsu is uh, one of those things where it actually works. It actually works, and it's like it'd be great to get great financial backing from people that see that it works, but we also have to work within the people within jiu-jitsu, and like I said, I there's a lot of people in jiu-jitsu that never supported what we've done, and so it's it's a it's a weird thing. And I'm not mad about that. I just understand that not everybody mm, some people want you to be really successful for them to support you. It's weird. No, I know what you mean. You you have to be able to prove that you've already been successful yes. so they can help you be successful. And well, I've already done it now. I don't need your help. Thank you. <laughs> so, that's why we started making jam. Because I wasn't going to try to, uh, we had an opportunity to, we met with somebody um, that's, that's big in jiu-jitsu. And they gave me this laundry list of things to do to get funding. And I thought it was like, that's ridiculous. I mean, you could be able to donate 500 bucks. That's dropping the bucket if you have a big company. But, you know, I understand, I learned a lot from that. I I don't disrespect them for being the way they were. I get why they are the way they are. They're in the they're in that corporate sort of bubble. That's their thing. But for everyday people, you know, like I love it. We donate money. We don't ask them questions. Just donate. I'm that's why. It shouldn't be that hard. 
this should not be hard. Like, supporting people should not be hard. We have a huge homeless problem and you think homelessness problem. It's only going to get worse if we don't start working with the youth now because I don't want to see any youth think that that's a better alternative than um, learning jujitsu. So if we're going to nip it the bud in the front end, we better nip it in the front because the long-term costs are going to be terrible. Uh, Nick Johnson on YouTube does great videos about <laughs> California. He did one about Council Blows too. It wasn't positive. <laughs> and you know what? I saw that video four days before I closed on my house, but I watched it anyways. And um, and then I talked to some of the neighbors, and some of the neighbors told me about the drug issues. There was a house that caught on fire a few doors down, drugs, and there was um, some other houses, uh, another house. One of the neighbors told me, yeah, I used to be all like druggies. People used to walk through my backyard, you know, going into the woods and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, yep, but guess what? And some of the other names says, but it's a lot better now. I'm like, hmm, well, I just moved here. So I'm, I'm part of that new wave. Yeah. You know, I'm part of that new wave who's, who's going to paint his house, who's going to make his house better, who's going to offer jujitsu in front, in the garage, until we can find a facility that we can afford to be in, plus have a community that believes that, hey, you're the right guy to teach my kid. I trust what you're doing with our kids. Um, and then, you know what the next best part is? When you see the parents start to train, and then their kid, now they have a new bond with their kid, and they grapple. Grappling is like, you know you watch the lion cubs play with the big lions? Mm -hmm. What's it look like? It looks like some fun, like... It's like it's nature. It's us being what we are as humans is grappling. So if we get out of the grappling, because I, I am on that Nextdoor app, and it's bizarre. To, to It was bizarre in California. Here it's not as bizarre. It's somewhat normal, but I, for whatever reason, I get a lot of Omaha because I don't think much goes on in Council Bluffs. But listening to what people complain about, it's, it's very first world problems. But you know what? A lot of them don't train you to do. They don't have nothing. To, they don't have no other. Like when I say they don't have hardships, they're not grappling. They're just grappling with ideals, ideologies. They're not grappling with like life. But once you start to grapple with life, you start to see, man, that things are hard. And, you know, I shouldn't complain about certain things. I should figure out what's, pick my battles. You know the old expression, pick your battles? So, but Yeah. But I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to talk. Um, you know, I don't know if we talked about business, but I mean, I just want to be, I just want to offer something to this community. So, and I think if this is the way it starts, then this is the way it starts, but it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Byron Graham, I, I, I thank you for your time. Oh, thank uh, you. Thank you for your story. Appreciate and, uh, you know, and, and, Myself and everyone else around that is listening welcomes you to the area. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. And uh, we're come learn jujitsu, people. Yeah, <laughs> you'll find me on Harrison Street. Just drive down. Uh, <laughs> within the next month or so, I'll have a little sign up in front of on my garage, and it'll say "Learn Jujitsu." Very cool. Very cool. I I, I I love those kind of stories, and, and I love the 
I, I love the drive and um, just doing what it takes and then watching it blossom from there. Yes. So thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.